that's the tallest building in town. The library, because it has the most stores. We didn't own a car, so we would go to the library with a shopping cart and fill um, the shopping cart with our books. I was probably about six or seven, and my mom took me to our local library for a story time. I went with my dad every Saturday morning. I remember coming here like since we moved here when I was five, and every summer we'd do the summer reading program. As the years have gone by, you begin to realize how much you know, interesting stuff the library has to offer besides books. When I was growing up, my aunt would always take me to the library. I was in third grade, and then I loved the library, the Carnegie Library. I went to the story times that were at the library. The librarian was my dad. Welcome to the tallest building in town, where we share stories about libraries and the people who use them and work in them. I'm Shauna. And I'm Steve, coming to you from the Sun Prairie Media Center. Well, this month's episode is an introduction to tribal libraries, archives, and museums. I felt embarrassed that I had not explored this world of librarianship more closely until now. I found it difficult to not talk about colonialism, cultural assimilation, civil rights of indigenous peoples as a whole, especially because we were working on this during the month of Thanksgiving. But we sought out in this episode, Steve and I, to find some examples of people working in tribal libraries or TLAMs that exist on tribal land in Wisconsin. What does their job look like? What kinds of stories could they tell us about working in libraries that Steve and I often feel very disconnected from? The first thing that we wanted to do as we thought about this was to try to define what a tribal library is that's actually hard to do in fact in 2018 the american indian library association emerging leaders project team created a digital resource to highlight u.s tribal libraries archives and museums and while they were creating this resource they ran into all sorts of issues including how to define what a tribal library is. They, but they do have a really cool map that shows all of the TLAMs, the libraries, archives, and museums that are in the United States. It's at triballibraries.wordpress.com. But looking at the various definitions that people included on that website, I sort of thought that a tribal library is basically just a library that provides services, materials, programming, and space that supports the needs of tribal communities. Really not any different, except more maybe focused on the tribal communities. According to Janice Rice, who's a UW lecturer and retired Ho-Chunk librarian, uh, tribal libraries were born out of the Indian schools era. So all of the colonial and racist ideas uh, associated with day and mission schools are necessarily bound up in the idea of a tribal library. But we're gonna use this episode to concentrate on what librarians and tribal libraries are doing for and in their communities. There's 11 federally recognized tribes in Wisconsin. Six or seven of those have a library. According to the TLAM website, and Shauna will explain what that is in, in a minute. Yeah. There, they said that there were six tribal libraries and then one of, and then the, the seventh is a cultural heritage center. Um, so the tribes that have libraries are the Oneida, Lac de Flambeau, La Couture, Menominee, Bad River, and Red Cliff. And then the Forest County Potawatomi have a cultural heritage center that has a museum and a library within it. So we do have a couple interviews this month. So I got to talk to Kimberly Pelkey, who's a library services assistant at the Oneida Community Library. The Oneida Reservation is the southwestern 
border of the city of Green Bay. And uh, the library itself is a member of the Outagamie Wapaka Library System. I spoke with Stephanie Julian. Her title is the educational director, but she's essentially the librarian right now at Bad River Band of Lake Superior, working in the Chief Blackbird Center in Odana, Wisconsin, on the Bad River Reservation. It's like straight up north on Lake Superior. It's not far from Ashland. So Stephanie references in our interview, Omer Polar. So he's one of the creators of the TLAM project. For those who don't know, TLAM is a student interest group at UW-Madison. It's also a course available at UW-Madison's iSchool. Both respectively involve partnerships with American Indian cultural institutions, such as the work they did with Stephanie that she mentioned. So that's what TLAM is. It's, it's kind of two things yeah. here in Madison. And one of the things we talked about when we were putting this together was that this is like a real sort of surface look at the idea of tribal libraries. Yeah. Mostly driven by just our curiosity of there's these people working in these libraries that we don't really get much contact with. Exactly. Um, so, you know, to reach out and talk to them and hear what they're doing, it's exciting and it's always great to, you know, make those connections. My name is Stephanie Julian, the education director for the Bad River Tribe, which is on the south shore of Lake Superior, Odena, Wisconsin. And as the education director for the tribe, I oversee scholarships, the Head Start, and the tribal library. I wondered what a typical day or week looked like to you. A lot of times we are looking at grants to fund projects. I have a couple staff members here, one of which works with the Indigenous Arts and Science grant with UW-Madison, and so she does a lot of youth events, all different types of cultural events, and runs a summer youth program that lasts about five weeks. And so we're always busy prepping for those things that are coming up. And then we really have a a really full schedule helping our college students doing scholarships. So through the tribe, they get a tribal scholarship and they can also get a Bureau of Indian Affairs scholarship. I'm wondering what the history of the library is how you chose to have where it is now and and what's the state of it right now? Our library uh, has been in the same place for uh, approximately 10 years. When this building, when the Chief Blackbird Center was actually built, the library moved into this building. So the library is sitting right next door to my education department offices. We had the same librarian for, it was around 30 years, and her name was Norma Sulier, and she loved, loved libraries and books. And she had quite a collection that she had built up over the years. So several years ago, Norma retired, and we ended up losing Norma, unfortunately, um, a, a couple of years ago. And so part of my position here was to take over the library because when Norma left, they didn't rehire a librarian. And part of it was they weren't really sure what direction they were going to go with the library. And so the library sat 
for a couple of years with nobody in there, Mm -hmm. um, just kind of shut down mode. And when I got hired for my position, part of my agreement upon hiring was to take that library and to figure out what direction we were going to go with it. Are we going to keep a library? Are we going to be a public library? Are we going to be a tribal library? Right. Are we going to build it up further? Are we going to tear it down a little bit? How did you have those conversations about the future of the library or like the needs of your community? Well, you know, I actually, I did some surveys. Nice. I, I, I actually went out into my community and I did some surveys with the youth and I did some surveys with adults just to kind of feel out what exactly people were looking for. So our library is not even like barcoded or Mm. inventoried, Uh. okay? I walked into this situation where there was a lot of things in that library that had not been utilized for 10 plus years. We also had a whole lot of books Mm. that had not been checked out, some not ever checked out. Do you think it's because people didn't know they were there or because they just maybe weren't as useful to the community anymore? I think they were just not that useful to the community anymore. That was really the idea that I was getting as I was talking to people. And so we had all these materials, and I'm very fortunate to work with our tribal operations director, D. Goki Rendell, who had some experience in the past working with the Redcliffe Library when UW-Madison, Omar Polar, They assisted Redcliffe in taking a direction on their library and getting their library set up. And Dee is now the Tribal Operations Director for Bad River, and so she put me in contact with Omar. You know, I I contacted him, and I just kind of said, this is what we have. We have 30 years' worth of book collecting. We have 400 VHS tapes. We have probably at least 150 DVDs, movies. We have historical documents and file cabinets that are from the 1930s, 40s, 50s, you know, that are very relevant to our tribe, but probably this isn't where we want them to be. And I'm having people show up on a regular basis asking me if I have a a computer they can utilize because they would like to write a resume or they would like to do their work on their FAFSA for yeah. college, or they would like to check out the the Department of Labor Workforce Development and, and see what kind of jobs are in the area. We had seven computers that were so extremely outdated that when I talked to our IT department, they told me to take the hard drives out and get rid of them, mm. that we're going to have to, you know, uh, we're going to have to update our technology so that people can utilize it. We actually have a program here in Bad River who who works with people who are job searching, and that program actually is going to donate new computers to the library when we get that far into putting it back together. So what we figured out in that survey is that most people are interested in more of a work-slash-research center than what they are in actually coming in and checking out books. Now, this is a little difficult for me because I am a book lover (laughs) and I am a library lover. And so my biggest goal is to get more people reading. Yeah. 
we have a really large and really good American Indian section in our current library. Lots and lots of books that that we have picked through very carefully. And these are books that are written by Native authors. And we actually kept a small selection of books that were in the library that are the type of books that you would utilize to tell a teacher these are the books that you don't have in your classroom. These are the books that were written in the 50s, 60s, 70s that set a stereotype of who and what American Indian people are according to the stereotypes of that time frame. We've been working with UW-Madison. Those folks have been coming up. We've had a, a, a group of just really awesome students that have come up and volunteered their time. And they have literally gone through every book in the library, <laughs> yeah. checking copyright date, checking to see how often it's been checked out. And us as a team making a determination if that book is actually going to stay part of the collection or if we're going to send it out the door. A lot of time and a lot of labor has been already spent and and we've got this, you know, scaled down. Obviously, I'm all for building it back up as we continue to work on this. There hadn't been any new library purchases for several years. So I know there's a lot of good books out there that we're missing right now. What does that look like when it comes to funding the library? We had to make a decision if we were going to become a public library again. When I came in, we had fallen out of compliance with what it means to be a public library in the state of Wisconsin. And so we were not receiving any funding at all from the state. And we had to make a decision if we were going to become a public library again or if we were going to be a tribal library for right now until we, until we get built back up. And so I had to go in front of the tribal council and have that discussion. It would have probably costed us quite a bit of money to get back into compliance just because of the different things that we had to do on our end. And so we weren't really looking to do that right now. Our library budget is very, very small, and right now it's primarily funded by the tribal community here. We love to be a public library in the future. Yeah, I wondered if you could talk about the benefits or the differences between being a tribal library or a public library in your community. I think the biggest benefit being a public library is that, you know, if there's materials that we don't have, then we can borrow them from other libraries within the state. And so that opens up your access to more materials. And then there is a little bit of funding that goes with that to purchase new materials every year. When did you have that conversation? When you uh, start when you started or I'm going to say it was probably just in the last 8 months or so that we actually made a decision that for right now we're going to be a tribal library just because we have so many things going on. So so what we're really looking at right now is moving my department and the library out of the Blackbird Center building into a different building that's right across the parking lot here. Oh, yeah. And then joining our department with the Tribal Historic Preservation Office. That sounds great. Yes, and, and, <laughs> and creating a cultural center 
with a museum there. We received a, a tribal council resolution that that is the direction that we're going. At that point, then we will again look at being a public library because that cultural center will be open to the public. Would you mind describing what the library looks like right now? When the UW-Madison students came, we kind of went with, here's, here's the rules of what we're going to take out of here. Mm-hmm. We had different authors, Nora Roberts, Sue Grafton. We had different authors where we maybe had 50 of that author's books. And so we cut those huge collections. We cut those down to about a third. Anything that was prior to 1985, mm-hmm. we removed. So we have scaled way down with the idea that we will build back up, but we will build up with things that our community will find useful. We recently moved all of the books from the library into the back half of the library. So we had this giant open space. We worked with LCO uh, Lacoudere Community College to bring classes here to our reservation. And then there's some computer desks, a Zoom board, because LCO College is utilizing the front part of the library for classes. You know, we're in this really awkward transition period with the library, and our focus when we get moved over to the other building will be a combination, a smaller scale library with quality books that are relevant to our community's needs. Hunting, fishing, trapping, American Indian arts and crafts, sewing, quilting, regalia making, beading, food sovereignty, gardening, gathering plants in the wild, and all of the different things that you can do, cookbooks, American Indian cookbooks, And so we're trying to section out sections of our library for things that are relevant to our community, things that people are working on today. And we're also offering night tutoring. And right now we have a a fantastic tutor, um, Jim Grittner, from the Ashland High School. And he's been coming out here Thursdays and volunteering to work with our students on math. And so that library space will also be a space for tutoring and for students to just generally come and get help with their schoolwork. That's so great. (laughs) There's just all these different things that you can look at the library and be like, wow, what a great community space that we can do these cultural activities. Where, where people are engaged in learning and I just I look at our library and there's so much potential for what we can do there. My name is Kimberly Pilkey, and I have been at the Oneida Community Library for 16 years. I, I was born in Chicago, finished growing up in the Dells area. I graduated from Webb High, worked in the Dells that summer, and met my hubby. My husband's like, I, I didn't know enough about being Native American growing up, and I want my children to know who they are. How about if we move on to the reservation? And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Because, yeah, I, I, I was very afraid of not fitting in there. Mm. <laughs> but he's, he's Oneida, and, um, and they turned out they were pretty accepting of me. And, um, and now they're very accepting of me. 
And so we've raised five children there. Hmm. Our, our oldest is 32 now, our baby's 20. She is the president of our, our friends group, the LOL, Lovers of Our Libraries. And then my older daughter is the treasurer. I was hired for youth services. My original job title was children's liaison, and that just was, you know, zero to 18. Then in my job description, it was put that I'm going to be a liaison for the Oneida Nations MIS department and to work with the network and tech guys in the systems. So then I'm like, okay, so I'm tech services. There was no real adult programming. Mm. And, and so I do the adult programming now. If there's a question about being inclusive, then I'm usually the resource for that too. And then for two years, I served as the liaison for Nicolet Federated Library System for the youth and inclusive services for the system. Okay. Within the United Nation, how, which department did you say that you're? Cultural, cultural heritage. heritage. Okay. No. And why that department? I think just because of our collections, you know, it has a Native American focus, and then we're just the repository for a lot of the official United Nations documents. They have a records management department, mm. though, that, that does things, you know, the way a records management department does. But anything that's available for the public to view, you're going to come to the library for it. Okay. We just did a photos program, it's called, and photo stands for pictures and history of the Oneida scene, because I I am just crazy about acronyms. Okay. And so she just has these historical photos. and Because they're getting ready for their centennial. They came in 1822 when they first okay. signed the treaty with the Menominees. The, the tribal land, this, is it a village of, of Oneida? Is that what it's? Or it's what? the town of Oneida and oh. the village of Hobart because some bright individual decided to make the county line right, run right through the reservation. So that, that land is considered a reservation or what mm-hmm. okay yeah, yeah and that's that's the 65,000 acres of reservation that was determined when the federal government broke it all all the land up into allotments and so everybody only got so many acres and put them anywhere husbands and wives land wasn't even touching each other mm-hmm. kids were way down here and it was it's yeah disastrous because the original treaty with Menominee was all the way to Lake Michigan and all the way down to Grand Chute Wow. And, and even beyond Grand Chute. But there's like 2,000 and some Oneidas in, on the reservation in Outagamie County. There's another 2,000 and some. So let's go with 2,500. So you got about 5,000 Oneidas that live on the reservation. Then you've got another 2,500 or so that live in Brown County and Outagamie County that are off reservation. And then you've got another 3,000 and some that live in Milwaukee. Okay. You got another 3,000 some that live in Chicago. There's like almost 18,000. They may have even hit 18,000 by now. Oh. Wisconsin Oneidas. Wow. And and so, you know, then everybody else is everywhere else. Yeah. <laughs> Was the library built by the tribe? Mm-hmm. So the library started um, in like about 1969 with the Federal Vista program. And they would meet in the Episcopalian Church's parish hall that was across the street from the church. And they had a little room. And then from there, they moved into what we call the Civic Center. And then in 77, they built the Archiquette Building or Archiquette Building, depending on who you talk to. One of the things that I wanted to ask you about was this, this grant 
mm-hmm. that I saw you just were recently awarded. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so <laughs> the Institute of Museum and Library Services offers a Native American Library Services basic grant and an enhancement grant. We've consistently gotten the basic grant, and it's non-competitive as long as you fill out all the paperwork, right? After you get that basic grant and you can manage that, then you can also apply it competitively for the enhancement grant. Okay, and what, so what is, the, what is the grant? Well, how, how much is it, and what, what are you planning on doing with that to enhance your services, or how, how did that application process work? So, so the United Nation has a grants department. He helps me out with buzzwords as he knows them, but then I've got to plug in the library stuff because Don doesn't know libraries. Mm. The needs statement is that we're going to just provide services and increase literacy. And for the purpose of helping the community make good choices recreationally mm. and instructionally and culturally, because we are using it to try to help out with substance abuse and stuff. If, if they're engaged and they're busy and they're using library services, then they're not somewhere else making bad decisions. Mm. And that ended up being the, the need statement. And it didn't start out that way, but it ended mm. that way. And, um, but nonetheless, that's, we, we want to engage the community. And so it's, it's collections, and it's just getting more and better choices for collections. Mm. It's programming, and then also staffing and just helping with staff. We already have a track record okay. of accomplishing a lot for the community with these grants. And so they believed in us, even mm-hmm. if I definitely didn't get straight fives in the grant <laughs> reviewing, but it was high enough to get awarded and there was enough belief that we could do it. Okay. And now that's what's great too about, about writing a grant is whether you get it or not, you really get to focus on where you want to go mm. with what you're doing. And so I would write grants even if I never got them awarded. Well, maybe not. But as long as I, there's hope, I will write a grant because it really gets me focused on, on the needs of the community because I'm getting all this input from so many people. It's mm. like, what do you think we need? I'm not just sitting there at my desk. You know, I, yeah. I'm talking to people. This grant was also written with writing and I specifically said in the narrative, we need writing supplies. So we we have had a writer's group at the library too since 2013. But like last summer, then I added the pen program. So that's programs to enhance narrative. And that's for the kids. And we met right after the regular summer library programming, we would do that. Always with the early literacy too. Just anybody that isn't in any other program, so there's nobody that's falling through cracks. You're not eligible for this because of income. You're not eligible for that because of need. Or you're not... And it's like, and, and so we come to the library. The other thing I'm really proud of is just all the writing that's going on. We've mm. got the writers group, and that's like the longest running program we've ever had. Mm. In that, you know, because you have to change according to your community. So I might have this program, and it goes for a little while, and people stop attending, and we change it up, and we do something else. But the writers group has just been there. We're a come right insight for the NaNoWriMo right now. Yes. Even on my vacation, I'm going in. We've got after hours, 6 to 9, and, and NaNoWriMo people are coming in from Green Bay and, and using that. And that's brought in a greater community that's, nice. that's not even, you know, Oneida. Mm. But we have, you know, Oneidas that are also participating, and that's just exciting. Um, Berdina and Hunter has already published Coming of the Peacemaker, and it's mm. all traditional, and it's her artwork. And then she just published another one. So now we've got a new author in the community, wow. Janet Malcolm. So is it, when you say writing community, are there are people are writing fiction mainly, or what types of? Janet's is a memoir. Okay. And then Berdina's is the coming of the peacemaker, where that's just part of the Oneida 
Haudenosaunee or Iroquois cosmology. And so then there's an Oneida language book that's in the works, hmm. um, another memoir. So yeah, it's actually more nonfiction. It seems like your family <laughs> is really <laughs> involved with a lot, uh, almost everything the library is doing. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. Like I said, you know, when we have an event and we're serving food, and I mean, there's other, you know, the other staff are there and the other staff are involved, and I'm not trying to take anything away from them. No, no, I just mean, I mean, your one daughter is, is works at the history. History, his, history yeah. And she the... was, before then, she was at the museum okay. as a cultural interpreter. Wow. And and to me, that's like so exciting. I, I broke down at a WLA conference because I, I presented at a WLA conference about presenting Native American material at your library. Mm. My husband didn't know anything about his culture. He was almost in the double digits before he knew he was Native American. Mm. And the whole neighborhood knew because he's like, the boys would never let me be the cowboy when we played cowboys and Indians. Oh, so their parents are talking about it to them. But his mom, who's experiencing prejudice at the Piggly Wiggly, isn't telling her kids who they are so he didn't know that much about his culture you know and he wanted his kids to know and here one generation later our daughter is the cultural interpreter our mm. cult, the cultural multimedia specialist um, and then and then the younger one is working on the she's doing the illustrations for this Oneida language book and then we have language lessons at the library mm. most Tuesdays and Thursdays from 4 to five thirty. Mm. okay what are some challenges that your library is facing I think the biggest one is lack of space there's just not the room nor the kitchen to do what we want to do. And that's what I want most is a kitchen because so so much of any culture is food-based. There's still a lot of people in on the reservation that don't have internet access at home mm. and don't have print capabilities. They got a yeah. laptop, but they don't have the printer, you right. know? And, and sometimes then that really works out because they're like, oh! Not only just this technological resource, but there's a people resource too, and an information resource, yeah. and that's when we hook them and they keep coming, <laughs> even after they get the computer and the, and the printer. You know, they still they still come back, and that's that's what we want. It's just these lifelong learners. In the future, I think it would be really fun to do an episode called Decolonizing Librarianship. Yeah. And so this could be a part of that, where we try and talk to some more people who are working on reservations, working in libraries, and see how they feel about these ideas. We have a shiny new website. We do, that's true. And it, you'll find it at www.tallestbuildingintown.com. <laughs> Yeah, you should go there and then tell us what you'd like us to talk about. Yep. Yeah, there's a contact us form on there. You know, we love to dig into these topics, even if, you know, we only have a half hour yeah. every month to talk about things. But And if you don't feel comfortable being interviewed, just tell us that you think we should talk about something and then we'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, or if you want to volunteer a coworker to be interviewed. <laughs> yeah. Those no, are, those are always that. good, too. <laughs> Steve, I'll see you later. Yeah, thanks, Shauna. See you next time. I was trying to sound sincere. Oh, you were? So, yeah, well, a well, I'll see bit. you later. Like, even, I'll see though you. My, even though my voice doesn't do that easily. That's fine. Like, <laughs> I'll see you in five minutes when we go back to the library. <laughs> <laughs>